it also acts, it doubles, this <laughs> battering ram doubles as a flotation of device that can float across your moat and then bash down your door and I'm coming in. everybody you're listening to the creative pep talk podcast this show is about commercial art making a good living and making great art at the same time can you imagine wow all right let's explore that by jumping in but first let's thank our syndicate illustration age you can find this show at illustrationage.com slash creative pep talk let's jump in This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Ushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new fluid engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it, got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site anyway. Go check it out, antijpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you, where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. Oh, today's episode is a doozy. Look out. I was in rare form (laughs) and I was uh, getting fired up, firing myself up, pepping my own step, (laughs) if you will. Uh, So I hope you enjoy that. Will you do me a favor real quick? If you have never given this show a review on iTunes and you've been listening and enjoying it and feeling the good feelings of the creative pep talk podcast would you stop open itunes go to the show you can search it on itunes and click on it uh and then just click that write a review and give it a review that helps the show grow almost like nothing else it's kind of like total magic it would mean a lot to me if you would stop and do that all right that's enough uh Uh, you know, whatever. Here's the uh, show.
All right, I'm here. I got a new episode in me. It's brewing. It's taking form. It's taking shape. It's ready. It's ready. It's ready. I've got a new episode for you, and it's about killing that self-doubt. Here's why I'm bringing this episode to you today, because it's hard, man. It is hard. It is hard to do creative work. It's hard to thrive financially, uh, doing work that fulfills you. And I know that because I've been trying to do this for eight years. And I just, look, here's the thing. You know, I think it's tacky. I think it's, um, I think there's too many negative implications of giving you, you know, my whole backstory and exactly where I am in terms of money and, uh, and work and all that stuff. And I don't like to brag and I, you know, all that kind of stuff, um, means that I don't give you the 100%, uh, transparent view. Also, I'm a person and I don't want to give away everything about my life, uh, because I want a little bit of privacy and I've got a family, uh, who, who warrants their own privacy, but I just want to say like in the past couple years, you know, in the past four or five years, I've, uh, since I started freelancing, you know, I've tripled my income. I've, uh, done work with some of my all time dream clients. Uh, I've worked with some of the biggest companies in the world and I'm not telling you that. Because I'm saying, Andy's amazing. My illustration portfolio is off the chain. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that today, I'm still struggling with self-doubt. I still have uh, so many balls in the air that I have to juggle and tend to. It's still a grind. It's still hard. And it probably always will be. And I, you know, as I'm working through all of this and I'm thinking through all of the different things. You know, first of all, I'm incredibly grateful for where I am. I'm incredibly grateful that I've started a new season in my life in the past two years where I'm uh, helping other people achieve some of their creative aspirations. I'm really grateful for the work that I get to be doing. I'm really grateful that I've found, you know, I've, I've gotten closer and closer to work that is in that sweet spot that really lights me up and also means something to other people, both in my illustration and then in the Creative Pep Talk podcast and all this kind of stuff. I'm incredibly grateful. But I'm here today talking about self-doubt because... If I would have been able to see where I am right now, five years ago, I would smack myself and say, wake up, man. Like, quit doubting yourself and quit living in the future and enjoy where you're at and, and bask in it, even in the busyness, even in the difficulty. And then if I think about myself five years from now, I know that I'd, I'd look back and I'd say the same thing. I'd say, Andy, 
man, that was a wonderful moment. You were busy. You had tons of stuff going on. You were juggling new things. You had some old things coming to fruition. And yeah, you got so bogged down in the grind. You got so bogged down in the emotion and you couldn't even enjoy couldn't enjoy the old stuff coming to fruition. You couldn't enjoy the client work that you were doing. You couldn't enjoy the fact that uh, you had more stuff coming through the door than, than you could do. And, and you couldn't enjoy the newness of the new season, of the speaking, of the, uh, of the podcast, of this new thing that was lighting you up because you were bogged down in the emotion and the grind. And so today, I'm doing this, I'm scratching my own itch. I say that all the time, right? This episode is as much for me as it is for you. It's a list of 10 reminders uh, to help pick myself up off the floor, feeling sorry for myself, and, uh, and to do the same for you and encourage you to keep trying, keep going, keep making stuff. Number one then, let's get to it. Start a CPU. Start And I don't mean a computer. <laughs> I don't mean start up your computer. I mean start the CPU. Let me give you, um, let me drop something on you right now, okay? You have what's called, what I call a CPD. It's called a collection of put downs. Your, your subconscious is incredibly in tune with the value that you're bringing as a human. It's more in tune than you are with the thing that lights you up, the work that you're meant to be doing. It knows what that is. It knows what it feels like to be doing it. And here's the thing. The other thing it does, the thing your ego is doing all the time is it's making a note. It's creating a collection. The CPD, the collection downs. Your ego is on the lookout for how people feel about you, what your value is, and the type of work you make. And it's making a collection of every time someone makes a good point about why what you do is stupid, why what you do doesn't matter. When I look back in my life, I can remember these searing comments that I read online, the searing comments in that email, the searing comments made over a beer to put what I do below what it is they do. And I'm collecting those up. I'm collecting those arguments up to tear myself down. And as I get incredibly busy, when it's time to perform, I like to open up that collection and just review all the reasons why what I do doesn't matter. And I just want to say, whatever creative work you're doing on this planet, whether it's gallery art or logo design for the shop down the street, There is 50 reasons why it doesn't matter. And you don't need to go around collecting them and making an argument against yourself. Plenty of other people are going to do that for you. I'm going to encourage you to trash that collection, set it on fire, start a new collection. It's called the CPU, the collection of (laughs) put-ups. Collect, start collecting why you do what you do. Go study the work of Simon Sinek 
This is so essential. It's, it's a massive part of everything I do. Start with why. Why are you doing this? Why does this matter? Remind yourself of that person that sent you the email that said you brightened their day, that you helped them stay in school, that you helped them make something new, you helped them have the courage to share something. Andy, I'm talking to you. Remember why you do what you do when there's so many people out there reminding you why what you do doesn't matter. Start a new collection. Set that CPD on fire. Number two, forget about art. Forget about art. Is it art? Is it not art? Andy Warhol has this great quote, and I'm going to butcher it. I don't know it verbatim, but it's essentially this thing that says, don't worry about whether what you're making is good or bad. Don't worry about figuring that out. Let other people decide it. And in the meantime, make more stuff. Make more art. And I want to take that a step further. Don't sit around worrying whether what you're doing is quote-unquote art, whether it measures up to whatever standard that is, whether if you're making stuff to put on Instagram, whether that's cheap. Here's the facts. The people that we remember from 50 years ago, the work that they were doing that was groundbreaking was not considered art in that time. Go all the way back to Picasso and Cubism when he starts doing his most powerful groundbreaking work that we remember him for, the galleries and the critics were outraged. This isn't art. What is this? Garbage. Prestige equals saturation. By the time a market has had the, the, the time and energy and money and investment in bloating to get to a place where it can have massive prestige and awards, that market is going to be so saturated. It, there's, going to be, there's going to be so many people in that bottleneck that making any ground in that world is going to be more like winning the lottery than earning a paycheck. And I just want to say right now, I'm not saying that awards um, are bad or prestige is wrong or any of these markets are, are, are not good or not worth pursuing, whatever. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that by the time there's a, there's a, uh, a board of directors deciding what's good and what's bad, by the time that there's a ceremony celebrating that art, that moment in time has already started to pass. And so while everybody's around, gathering around, asking themselves, do these influencers, do these podcasters, do these Instagram artists, these content creators, is this garbage? Is this art? While that, those people are sat on the established mediums looking down uh, at the present time and feeling nostalgic about the past, while they're doing all that and they're deciding all that, keep making stuff. Number three, remember Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> you know I'm super pleased with this one, right? You know that, right? Uh, <laughs> remember Shia LaBeouf. Look, I don't have anything against the guy. You know what? I think it's probably was really hard to grow up in the public eye, especially in the age of the internet with the constant critique and feedback. I can't imagine. I would be 10 times worse off than that guy, I can tell you for sure. If I had the kind of eyes on me that he's had growing up, 
Woo! If you saw Andy at 17, oh my goodness, you would not be listening to this podcast. I can tell you that much for sure. But here's my point. Remember Shia. Remember Shia. If Shia LaBeouf is still getting work, if he's still in movies today, after what was going on three years ago, no matter what happens to you, no matter what kind of uh, grinder you get thrown in, whatever uh, slander and hatred comes your way, the internet's going to forget. It's going to be okay. If that moment is excruciating pain, that, that'll, that'll be all it is because uh, if you just keep making stuff and that stuff improves and gets good enough to uh, get on people's radar again and, and connect with people, it'll be all right. That time will pass. And, uh, you know, on that note, while you're worrying about what other people think, worrying about whether other people think it's art, whether you think that uh, what you've got uh, is used in the proper way, like let's say everybody thinks you should be feeding dogs. Stay with me. I know this this is a little bit of a leap, but let's just say the accepted uh, demand that you can meet is feeding dogs, but you've got bananas. I'll tell you right now, my dog, she won't eat bananas. If I, I sometimes try to slip her a little fruit and veg, she takes one bite, spits it on the floor. She's not into it, right? What if you've got bananas, okay? But everybody else thinks you should be feeding dogs. Let me tell you something. Stop what you're doing. Quit trying to feed that canine your bananas and go over to the monkeys because those are the people that want what you've got. Don't worry about whether that's the cool thing, the in thing, the accepted thing in the culture. Take what you've got and bring it to the people that want it. Bring it to them how they want it to be brought to them. Quit judging how people are accessing it. Quit judging whether this is going to win the award or not. Bring it to them. Quit trying to feed bananas to dogs. Quit force feeding them. Go find the people that want what you've got. All right. Number four. Be even less original. That's <laughs> this list is ridiculous. Look. Are you original? No, you're not. I can guarantee you're not. Because even if you're the best, even if you are the best, you're still an amalgamation of so many influences. And as you filter them through your experiences and experiments, you will get closer and closer to what they call your voice, to something that is uniquely you. But that thing that's uniquely you is made up of the things that uniquely inspired you, the things that deeply resonated with you. Jim Jarmusch, the filmmaker, the celebrated filmmaker, he says, Steal like crazy, but steal from all over the place and make sure that when you steal something, that you do it authentically, that you did it because it meant something to you. You know, uh, I've had Austin Kleon on the show. I'm a big fan. He's a, a fantastic asset to the creative community. And he agrees with me on this. If you're feeling less original, if you're not feeling original and that voice is telling you you're a hack, you're, you're not original, Instead of um, shying away from influence, just lean even more into it. 
Like one of the things that's going to keep you from having your unique voice is that you're taking too little influence. If you're only taking a little bit of influence from one or two sources, your stuff's going to look just like them. Instead of shying away from influence, dive super duper deep. I think that that new Bon Iver record is such a good example of taking so many influences from today, taking it from everywhere that is speaking to Justin Vernon, from uh, blues to rap to R&B to soul to rock to electronica, all over the gambit. You can hear bits and pieces of so many different records in that thing. But when you put them all together, when it's, when it's authentically woven together and it's filtered through his experience and experiments, all of a sudden you're starting to taste something that tastes unlike anything that you've ever tasted before. But it's not originality from a rejecting being influenced. It's originality by embracing it by the 10th degree, right? So, man, for me, I am such a massive fan of illustration. I love illustration. And the illustrators that influence me span the past 50 years. And there's probably over 300 illustrators that have had a massive impact on me. Some working today, some working 50 years ago, some working 100 years ago. But I continue to fill up that bank with all kinds of stuff, everything that means something to me. And so if you're feeling less original, if, if, you're, if you're not feeling original, become even less original. Take even more and smash them all together. What you don't want is to just take a little bit of influence from one or two sources. That, that will be not very original. Number five. Repeat after me. I will fail. I will fail. Let me tell you something. We have this culture right now. You know, the startup culture and, and, and uh, you know, this advice culture, all this stuff talking about fail fast, fail quick. Failure's good. Let me tell you this. Failure is necessary, but it is excruciating. When you fail, you will not think, good, I failed. I'm right on track. You will think, oh my gosh, everything is coming to an end. It will be excruciating. And you will not be celebrating it. No matter what that blog post says, you're not going to be celebrating it. But I want to tell you something. If you're doing anything new, if you're doing any work that matters, that's meaningful, you will fail. Guaranteed. So when that voice comes up that says, that self-doubt that says, what if I fail? You say, what if I don't fail? What if I make work that doesn't matter? What if I just copy what's already been done and proven and I stand uh, and, I, and, I, and I fit in with everybody else and I never stand out and I never break through and I never make anything that really truly matters to anybody? Because once you're on the road of making work that actually matters, you, I can guarantee you that you're going to fail and it's going to be excruciating. A worse fear is what if I never fail because I never tried to make anything meaningful.
Number six, forget destiny. At some point, I think you're going to have to divorce yourself from the idea of destiny. There's this amazing uh, part of the book, The Alchemist, where they say, uh, the alchemist tells the shepherd that the greatest lie ever told is that you are not in control of your fate. That what happens to you is going to happen to you no matter what it is you do. That's not the exact quote, but it's something like that. Go back and listen to episode 71. You are infinite. It's uh, accompanied by a poster you can buy on Uh, (laughs) creativepeptalk.com. But seriously, go back to that episode. If you haven't heard it, it's called... Uh, you Are Infinite, episode 71, and it talks about this idea of the growth mindset. Dr. Carol Dweck, I believe it is, uh, found that the number one uh, factor for success is believing that your talent, that your intellect, that your ability has the ability to grow, that it's not fixed. If you believe that your talent and your intelligence is fixed, you're going to be prideful and defensive and you're going to do whatever you can to prove that you've got what it takes. But if you believe that what you have has the ability to grow infinitely, you don't have to defend yourself. You can be an amateur because you know that it doesn't matter if you're not there yet. You will be able to get there. And on this note, I just want to say one thing. I desperately believe that you have the ability to do more than you could imagine. I just want to give you one nuanced critique of that. If you're five foot two and you can't jump more than a foot off the ground and you can't make a basket and you're over 20 years old, you're probably not going to the NBA no matter what mindset you have. I want to just give one disclaimer to this. Try to find the natural, innate abilities and talents and strengths. Go take the Strengths Finders test. It tastes, it's like 10 bucks. You can find it online. Strengths, strengths Finder. Find what you're naturally good at and build on from there. Make your best guess and build on something from there. But don't, before you set out, decide whether you have what it takes. So, okay. Number seven goes right into this. Embrace hot versus cold. Okay, hot versus cold. What does that mean? I really believe that I live my life in such a way and I do my career in this way like it's like one massive game of hot and cold. I'm on this search to find where what I've got a massive supply of is in massive demand. That sweet spot where that thing where I get in that flow state and I make work and I'm feeling amazing and I just make more and crazier amounts and and I just naturally go into the supernatural and I want to find the place where people need what it is I make. I'm trying to find that sweet spot. I've been trying to find it for the past 10 years. And for me, 
I see it as a giant game of hot and cold. You know that game where you're looking for something and when you're far away, they're saying freezing, freezing, ice cold. I'm on this giant journey to find just to get a little bit warmer with every step that I take. And so back to the last point, find some natural inclinations, natural talents, natural interests, natural passions, um, and then try to find a path that you think is going to take you to a place to find that sweet spot. And then commit to a season of exploring that route. Don't just dip your toe in. Make your best guess. Commit to a season, six months to two years, a significant period of time where you can collect the amount of data necessary to know whether you've got what it takes to go down that path. Whether you've got what it takes to do that thing. Whether at the end of that path is going to be that sweet spot where you find those people that need that thing that you do. Play the hot versus cold. I can tell you, eight years ago when I started off, I was ice cold. I was freezing my butt off. And I can also tell you that today I am getting so much warmer. I've experienced exhilaration in my work in the past year that I've never experienced in my entire life. And the, and the way that I got there was by treating each step like a design experiment where I tried to gather all the information about the problem, make my best guess, create work, create a project that would test this guess, and then look at the data and then iterate and do it all over again. Take another step in a new direction and see if I'm hotter or colder. This hot versus cold thing, this committing to a path, is meant to calm that voice that says, what if you're going the wrong way? If you've committed for six months, if you've committed for a three-month project, for a a three-month position at a job, when that voice comes along that says, what if you're going the wrong way? What if all of this is for nothing? I've got two answers for that. One, you say maybe, but let's collect enough data on this commitment that we made to be sure. Because we can't see what's on that mountain until we get there. So let's collect some of the data first. Maybe you're right. Maybe it is the wrong way. And we'll get to the top. But guess what? At least we can cross it off the list. And that's still progress. And then the other thing you can tell that voice that says, what if you're going the wrong way? You can tell them. No matter what, if I make a significant investment in the best guess that I've got today, something interesting will happen. Every single project I've done, every commitment, every long-term commitment I've done, if I tried to make the best guess, even if it was wrong, interesting things came from it. A lot of times, the the worst guesses I had ended up giving me information that was necessary to get to where I am today. And so just trust, just trust that that effort and that, that investment that the universe will notice and they'll say, look, you're way off, but let me throw you a bone. If you're willing to do the work, if you're willing to put in the time, there will be progress, even if it's just crossing that thing off a list and something is bound to happen. Some kind of interesting thing happens when you set yourself to the work and you discipline yourself and you keep making stuff and keep trying. You wake up day after day and you stay committed. 
I can almost guarantee you that the universe will throw you a bone. Now, on the flip side of that, I can almost guarantee you that he's that, that the universe will not throw you a bone if you just sit there and do nothing and just second guess every path and never go anywhere and never commit and never discipline yourself to make anything. All right, number eight. <laughs> number eight is you are an imposter. You are an imposter. You guys have heard of this imposter syndrome, right? This idea that, uh, you know, Tina Fey, this person who's won Emmys and, and whatever, all these awards, has, has had a, a successful TV show and movies and all this stuff that she feels like often that she's an imposter, that, she, that someday they're going to find her out. She's not actually funny. She's not actually talented. She has no idea what she's doing. And she's a big sham. Tom Hanks, Oscar winner, like Forrest Gump. For gosh sakes, he thinks he's an imposter. Let me just say this. Let me just say this. You probably are an imposter. In some way, especially when you start out, look, you got to get in the pool. You, get, you have to get into the pool to learn how to swim. You got to start making stuff even before you're not an imposter. Even before you know what you're doing, you got to start making stuff to get to the place where you do know what you're doing. It's like being a parent. When you first bring home a kid from the hospital, you're like, why didn't they give us a test? Like, did they, like, did they know we're not parents? Like, we, we have no idea what we're doing. We've read books. They've told us what to do, but we still... We have no idea what's going on. Why did they let us take this baby home? It's frightening. But one day, you're putting on diapers backwards. The next day, your kid's coming up to you saying, "Uh, (laughs) do you know what? And you're saying, no, but I know his brother who. One day, you're putting diapers on backwards. The next day, you're making dad jokes. That's how it works. You got to get in the pool, float around, look like an idiot, be a complete and utter goofball and imposter to ever get to a place where maybe you're not. So when that voice comes along and says, hey, you're an imposter, say, you know what? You're probably right, but I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep working on it until I'm not. Number nine, that leads me straight into number nine, embrace the long game. When that voice says, what if this picture you're working on, what if this song doesn't go anywhere? What if it doesn't pay off? What if, it, what if nobody cares? I would go ahead and answer, yeah, they probably won't. Like uh, when I post this image, when I launch this product, when I post this song, probably not very many more people will listen like not that many, it's not going to make that big of an impact this little thing that I'm working on right now today. You're probably right. It won't really make a giant splash. It won't be the lottery ticket that changes my life. But I'm not doing it for the response of this one thing. I'm going to keep making stuff until little by little people start to care. Here's the thing. This is something that I've been that's been on my mind for a long time. I have never gone viral. Nothing I've done, even this podcast. This podcast has grown slowly and steadily. 
It's a decent size now. It's healthy. It's got, it's a, it's a no longer failure to thrive, right? Um, (laughs) It's doing, it's doing just fine. My social media presence is doing just fine. My, my income, my illustration work, it's coming through the door just fine. But I don't have the most prestigious clients in the world. I've got some good ones under my belt, yes. But I don't have the ones that are celebrated. I don't have any awards. I've got zero awards. I've, I've, literally, I've literally got zero awards. <laughs> I don't have a, a ginormous social media following. But my social media following is five times what it was three years ago. And so when that voice comes along and says, what if this piece is probably not going to mean anything? It's probably not going to pay off. You say, yeah, probably not. But these next 15 pieces will take me somewhere. You know, there's a really good interview with my friend Will Bryant on The Great Discontent. And he, uh, he said that on his gravestone, he wants it to say, he tried. And oh my gosh, that resonated with me so deeply. Because when it comes to making art, when it comes to a creative career, I don't always get it right, but man, I care and I try. I try to be above reproach. I try to make stuff that bears my soul that I, you know, I try to do everything I can to do the best work that I can to make the most headway that I can. And it doesn't always pay off. It rarely does. And you know, by the time you get to that, marker of success that you're working for, I feel like you're going to work so hard for it. It's not going to come and you're going to say, yeah, I did it. You're going to say, yes, come on. I worked for that. Not like, whoa, I won the lottery, but like, that's right. I did everything I could do to get to this place. And so when that voice comes along and it says, this probably won't pay off, you say, yeah, this one probably won't. But over the next two years, these 20 will take me somewhere. And the last one is connected to that. And it's be good. Be good. If your work is incredible, if nobody wants to see your diploma, okay? That's how creativity works. It's, it, it's not a pure meritocracy. There are ways you can get ahead you know, that are uh, impure or, or whatever you want to call it. That's true. But at the end of the day, you can work so hard to be so good. Like Steve Martin says, they won't be able to ignore you. And I can, I can tell you for dang sure, when you've got work that's, that's blowing people's minds, they're not going to say, so uh, <laughs> can we see your diploma? So when that voice comes and says, you're a fraud, you don't know the design history, you don't have the, the, the degree, you don't know all the stuff that you should know to be an expert, you say, maybe not, but I'm going to work so hard that my work's going to be so good that it won't even matter. Here's a good note from uh, Seth Godin, who we love, of course, the marketer. He says, 
that everything worth doing has moats. Some of those moats are natural moats, like just, you know, if you're going to be a painter, you got to learn how to paint and there's a natural uh, moat around that. You got to learn the process and learn the technical stuff and you just got to do the work to get over that moat. Some of those moats, though, are man-made moats because the people in the castle don't want you in there. One of those moats is credentials. The people that went to the great schools don't want you to succeed without going to the great schools because it costs them a lot of money and time and energy to go there. And so we all do it. I do it. You do it. We all put people down because they didn't do what you did. They don't have this or that. Like Those are the moats to keep you out. And that, those credentials don't have to mean anything. Now, going to the good schools often can really pay off, but it's not a necessity and it doesn't disqualify you. And so just realize when that voice comes along that says, you don't, got, you don't have the credentials, you didn't come from the right place. Let me tell you something. I came from Indiana, from a, a town and a family that had no culture, no artistic interest, no knowledge of uh, art. And I went, I didn't go to an art school. I didn't go to a fancy, uh, fancy school that everybody knows and cares about. Um, I did it. I had, I worked after I graduated, I worked at a youth shelter. Like I, at that youth shelter, we had to put holds on teenagers, like so that they wouldn't hurt themselves. Like me, there on the ground, sweating, dripping, also trying to make my illustration thing happen. Can you imagine what was going on in my mind trying to compete with people from the best art schools in the country as I'm sat there sweating on the ground trying to make sure this guy doesn't hurt himself and that we're doing everything in our power to honor them and give them respect? Like... I. You know, I was really blessed and I'm grateful for my experience there. But the amount of self-doubt that was plaguing me in that moment. Like I have a wife and kids. I have a baby in diapers. I'm changing those diapers. I'm telling you, my life is not Instagram pretty very often. I can tell you that right now. We all have personal stuff that we have to juggle. Things that, that actually matter more than our work, in fact, that messy stuff. And it can cause us often to think it disqualifies us. We don't have the credentials. People don't know what's going on in our lives. People don't understand, you know, I'll never be as, uh, as qualified as that perfectly curated Instagram dude, right? So, when that voice comes along that says, you don't have the credentials, you didn't go to the right places, you don't know the right stuff, you don't know the right history, you're a fraud, you're a phony, you don't have what it takes, just tell them, look, I get it, you're building a moat, but what you don't understand is that I've got a battering ram that I've been working on. I'm trying to create the battering ram of amazing creative work and it can bust down any drawbridge. And guess what? It also acts, it doubles this 
battering ram doubles as a flotation of device that can float across your moat and then bash down your door and I'm coming in. There's this phrase that, you know, years ago when I was really struggling, early days of my career, this resolve started to build in me that said, yeah, okay, maybe I'm doing this wrong this day. Maybe I didn't get that right. Maybe I don't have what it takes yet, but I'm not going anywhere. Like, as I've gone along over the past eight years of my career, so many folks have come and gone. So many people have dipped their toes in and tried to do what the cool people are doing or what this thing or follow this or that trend. So many people have tried to uh, play the game and make a quick buck. And I'll tell you one thing, if you're looking for a quick buck, trying to get rich quick, get out of the creative world. That's You're in the wrong spot for that. So many people though I've watched come and go And a few years in, I just knew deep down, like, I am meant to do creative work and I'm dedicated in the long game and I'm not going anywhere. And so I hope that uh, I can light the torch of that resolve in you today and that that would start to create those hot coals of determination. (laughs) Um, And I hope it's an encouragement for you guys out there. I know I needed it. I feel better after recording this episode. I know I needed to hear it. And I hope uh, I hope you didn't need to hear it. But if you did, I hope that it just, uh, just explodes with positivity and encouragement and energy and inspiration and gives you what you need to keep working on that creative battering ram. All right, I had a phenomenal time recording that one. I hope it uh, lifts your spirits, my friends. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for all the love and support of Creative Pep Talk Podcast. Um, you know how much how much I love doing this. Thank you, guys. Thanks to our syndicate, Illustration Age. You can find this show at illustrationage.com slash Talk. Thanks to Yoni Wolf and his band Y, one of my all-time favorite bands for the theme music. Thanks to Nate Utesh and his band Metavari for all the other tunes. Go check them out. They're great to uh, work to, doing your creative work. That, that stuff will get you right in the zone. Go check it out. Thank you guys so much. Do whatever it takes to stay pepped up.